0: Have you ever needed a genuine miracle, like yes. like like not a little touch from heaven or, or, or maybe a feel better moment, but a true God-given, heaven-sent, Jesus show up and touch something for me miracle? Yes, yes. How many ever needed one of those? Yes. Have you ever seen others like you're sharing with people? and you have a child that's lost, or you're sharing with people, and you have a, a, a physical or financial need, and you're sharing with people, and they get their prayers answered right away, and like, yeah. 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 like, go ahead, you said it, what is it? Where's mine? Where's mine. Like, Jesus, I appreciate you helping all the people who I'm ministering to, and their kids getting saved and delivered, but could you pass by my house on the way? To, to to their house to help them? Maybe you're waiting for a mate. Maybe, maybe you're waiting for God to change your mate. Maybe you're waiting for God to deliver someone you love who, who's bound. Guilt, fear, shame, addiction, some some habit or hang up in their life. And like, but maybe you're waiting and you just go like, God. Like I know your time is perfect. How many of you have ever said that? but this seems like the perfect time for you to answer me. How many of you understand what I'm saying? You just need God to show up. <clears throat> so I have, a, I have a question for you. Like, like I'm, a, I'm a pastor and, and, and of my living children, four of the five of them are preaching the gospel. Okay, and the other one's halfway on his way. He's still building his testimony. That's what they're doing until they get right. Yes, Lord. Really, what was that? That was what? I mean, I'm used to power happening when I breathe. I've heard of power on high. (laughs) Pastor Bubba. (laughs) What do you do while you wait? What do you do while you wait? What do you do while your child still isn't changed? Your husband still isn't changed? Your physical circumstances, the situation is still the same. And you are praying. And like you're telling everybody, God can hear your prayers. God will answer you. God will change your child. God will work in your marriage. And all the while you're saying that you know it's absolutely true because it's right here in God's word. And there's moments when it's happened in your life. But you just need that to happen for you. Over the past number of years, there are some people that have done some very, very generous things for all of our churches. And and each time someone does, you know, when someone writes a million-dollar check or a $100,000 check, and and they're they're wealthy and they go, Pastor, I want to give this, I always stop them right afterwards and say, now I want to pray for you. And here's the question I ask them. If Jesus was to come to your house today and sit down to have coffee with you in your living room, because we know Jesus would only drink community coffee. He wouldn't drink that demon-possessed Starbucks. And, and, and Jesus looked over at you and said, what can I do for you? What, what would you say? And they always stop. And can I tell you this? None of them ever say money. None of them ever say, I need a camp over on Lake Arthur. None of them say, I need a beach condo. You know what most of them usually say? My son, my daughter, my mate, my mama, my daddy, my best friend. Do you need a miracle today? And what do you do while you are waiting for a miracle? Our story today merges misery and miraculous, waiting and wonder, hopelessness and healing all up into Incredible passage found in Mark chapter 5 and 6, but, but let me begin our story by picking up right where we are. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus has come into the area. Now, I have to give you a little insight, and I used to hate it when people did this because it just tormented me, but please don't be tormented, be blessed. Okay, Michelle and I just got back from Israel about six weeks ago. How many of you are jealous? (laughs) Just be blessed. (laughs) Okay. And and we were very blessed. An ambassador to Africa from Israel was our host. He's not a Christian. And it, it was interesting seeing all of that simply through the eyes of a Jew. Not a Christian. And one of the places I went was... Gennesaret. Our story picks up today where Jesus has sailed across Galilee, the Galilean Sea. I stayed there one night. And and he sailed across. And when he got there, there there was a place where there was a man there. We don't know how he became like he became Because, you know, when when you see someone arrested for doing something horrible, you see the act of what they did. You don't see all of the pain that was brought into their life that ultimately led them to there. Someone said, don't judge a person until you hear their story. And there was a man that all we simply know is where he ended up. Where he ended up. He was called the naked gathering demoniac. We don't know if he had a daddy, if his daddy raised him. We don't know if he was molested, abused. We don't know what happened to him growing up. We simply know the story picks up where he is in a place in his life where no one can clothe him, so he's naked. No one can chain him, so there's chains hanging off of him that he's broken. And all he does is stay in the area of the graveyards. So imagine that. I mean, you know, Jennings has different parts of town, just like every city does. And there's places you go, and there's places you don't go. This this area was so combined because of the demons that lived inside this man that this region, you literally had to avoid that area. Or when you went around there, you, you covered your kid's eyes because you didn't want to see there was a naked gathering demoniac. He's simply known as naked man. Demon man. And Jesus comes to Gennesaret. And when he does, this man sees him. And he comes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. Why are you here to torment me, the demons say. And Jesus says, who are you? And he says, I'm legion. Which meant like a thousand. I'm a thousand demons. And Jesus casts the demons out into Say it loud. Pigs. Pigs. And ever since then, crackling boudin and pork. Come on, have you ever looked down and go, demon? You're right. You're right. That demon went down good, didn't it? But look at me. He'll start manifesting at night, (laughs) and so Jesus casts the demons out into the into the pigs and the man gets freed and now naked boy who was became naked man and demon boy who became demon man is now clothed sitting in bible study at OSC listening to pastor Jesus and here's where we pick up the story in mark chapter 5 and when they found Jesus, they saw the demonized. demonized man. Now, he's not demonized anymore, but that's all they knew him by. Isn't it terrible when all the people know you by your worst moments? And he was, he was what? The demon man was sitting there. He was sitting there, never seen him. He was properly clothed. They'd never even seen him with clothes on. Who is it? I don't know. Looked like demon boy, but never seen him with clothes on. And in his what? Right mind. mind. So he who had tormented and terrified an entire region. It kept you from even going into that area. Stories you told your children. Whatever you do, don't wander over there. He is now sitting clothed in Bible study with Jesus and in his right mind. Watch this. And the people became what? What? Uh, They weren't afraid of him being naked. They weren't afraid of him being chained up and breaking chains. They weren't afraid of demons manifesting out of him. They're afraid because they don't understand what's happened. And listen carefully to me. A lot of you here who Christ has changed your life and raised you from the spiritually dead have relatives that liked you before. You know before when you, you know the craziness you did. You, you know the bars, you know the drinking, you know the parties, you know, you know all of, there are some people in your life that would rather have you full of the devil that they understand Versus being transformed by the power of God. Which they don't understand. And he was afraid. Naked. Now clothed. And those who witnessed the miracle. Reported the news to the people. And included what happened to. The pigs. Now just think about that. Including what happened to the pigs. Now watch what the next statement is. Then they asked. To what? To leave and go heal somebody else at another house? They asked him to leave. All Jesus did was answer some mom and daddy's prayer. All Jesus did was answer some family's prayer. A child that had been abused and hardened and been kicked out of every school and thrown into every jail and finally no one could contain him and no one could help him. But Jesus changes him, and now people are afraid of transformation. And as Jesus began to get in the boat, so he leaves. Listen carefully to me. Jesus is a gentleman. And if you don't want him, that's okay. He'll find someone that does. And he gets in the boat to depart. And the man that had been set free by the demon said, can I go with you? And Jesus answered, no, but go back to your home. Go back to your mom and daddy and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you and tell them how he had mercy on you. So the man left and went to the region, part of Jordan and parts of Syria, to tell everyone he met what Jesus had done for him. And all the people marveled. And Jesus returned from across the lake. And as soon as he did, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Then a man saw that it was Jesus So he pushed through the crowd and he threw himself down at his feet and the man's name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of a synagogue or local church. And he pleaded with Jesus saying over and over, please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death. This is time sensitive. She just has minutes left and she's only 12 years old. Come. Come, lay your hands on her and heal her and she will live. And immediately Jesus went with him and a huge crowd followed and they were pressing in on all sides. Now, how many of you have ever been to a Saints game? Back when people wanted to go to a Saints game. Come on now. Have you ever been to a Saints game or an LSU game? I mean, everybody, there's a crowd, people are pressing all over it. That's what it was like. People were pressing in on every side, trying to get close to Jesus. Now, in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. And she had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all the money she had on their treatment, she kept getting worse instead of better. And when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind Jesus and touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to to herself, she kept saying to herself, she kept saying to herself, if I can only just touch his clothes, it will be enough, I'll be healed. And as soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding instantly stopped and she knew it for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. How many have ever been healed? How many have ever been healed? Every person I've ever heard, you know, when we're worshiping like we were today, how many of you just enjoyed the worship today? How many of you, when you're worshiping, you just get the songs? How many of you know what the frissons are? How many of you don't have a clue what the frissons are? I'll have Pastor Josh do a series, saws 1, Freesaws 2. saws <laughs> are a Cajun word for chicken skin or goosebumps. So when you get the saws and you're worshiping, you feel that. You know what that is? That is a preview of heaven. Look, look at me. If that bothers you, then heaven will be hell for you. So, you know, when people go, oh, I like church. I just don't like that worship stuff. Uh You're going to be miserable as hell in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) But when, when you feel that, that is literally your spirit. It's your spirit being filled. It's your spirit being energized. It's your spirit being renewed. But when you get healed, every person I've ever talked to in the last almost 50 years that has ever been healed in one point or another, this is what they say, I just felt heat go through my body. It was like, like electricity. Like I could just feel heat going through the area where I was sick. This lady had that experience. She felt that she was healed. She knew at once, Jesus knew at once someone had touched him. For he felt power that always surged around him, had passed through him to someone to be healed. And he turned and spoke to the crowd and he looked at all of the people and said, who touched me? His disciples looked at him. I love the disciples. You know why? Because they always encourage me. Because <laughs> you're sitting there going, you idiot, what do you mean? Don't you know this story? So whenever I feel bad about myself as a Christian, I read about them, and it builds my self-esteem, and I feel much better. (laughs) What do you mean, who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing against you. And Jesus' eyes swept through the crowd for the one who had touched him for healing. And when the woman who had experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him, trembling in fear, and threw herself down at his feet and said, I'm the one. Why was this so significant? Because in the Old Testament, when a woman was on her cycle, she was unclean. She could not go into church and she could not even touch another person. This woman had not touched another human being for 12 years. She hadn't been in the presence of, of worship for 12 years. And now... Jesus said, somebody touched me. And she steps forward. And she told him her story of what had happened to her in the 12 years. And Jesus said to her, come on, say it with me. Daughter. Say it loud, ladies. Daughter. Daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering And before he finished speaking, people arrived. You see, this amazing story is happening, okay? But it's happening at the expense of Jairus' prayer. See, See, he went and he found Jesus when he heard that he came. And he knew that his daughter, who'd been ill for a long time, was in her final moments. And that's what he said, she's at the point of death. And he begs, he presses through the crowd, he pushes through the throngs of people, tells his story, and Jesus says, okay, I'll go with you. And on the way, Jesus now stops. Jairus is looking down at his watch going, Please, come on, Jesus. Hurry up, Jesus. Jesus, my, my, Jesus, I need the miracle. My daughter needs to be healed. Could you hurry up? Like like I'm the head of a synagogue. Like I know the guy that was the synagogue leader, rabbi, where you grew up. I got to hook up. I'm somebody. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't just stop for the people that are somebody in the eyes of the world and has a hookup in the eyes of the world? But he stopped for an unknown woman. But now, now his greatest fears have come to pass. And before he had finished speaking, the people arrived from Jairus' house and pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There's no need to trouble the master Jesus any longer. Your daughter is, your daughter's dead. But Jesus refused to, to what? Listen to me. There are moments where if you're going to obey the word of God, you're going to have to refuse to listen to a lot of people that are well-meaning and think they love you. Jesus refused to listen to them. And he said to the Jewish official, do not yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. So they left for his home. But Jesus didn't allow anyone except Peter and his two brothers, Jacob or James and John, to go with him. And when they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered a noisy uproar of all the people who were there because the child had just died. For they were weeping and wailing over her death. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, what's all this grief and weeping? Don't you know that the girl is not dead but merely asleep? And then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him. But he threw them outside. Isn't it amazing how the crowd is? They're crying one minute, they're mocking you the next. They're religious one minute, they're ridiculing you the next. And Jesus threw them out. The Greek word here is ekbalo. And it's actually what they would do when a javelin thrower in the Olympics would throw a javelin, that that process was called ekbalo. So it was like when he drove the money changers out. He didn't say, excuse me, would you all mind leaving Uh, We want believers here only. It was like, get out! Listen to me very carefully, child of God. Sometimes Jesus doesn't need you to whisper at some people who won't listen. Sometimes he needs you to say, get out! I'm afraid it'll scare too many men if I say that. And then... He took the child's father and mother and the three disciples, and they went into the room where the girl was lying, and he tenderly clasped the girl's hand in his, and he said to her in Aramaic something, (laughs) which means little girl. Wake up from the sleep of death. And instantly the 12-year-old girl sat up, stood on her feet, and started walking around the room. And everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. And Kurt Franklin kicked up the band. And they said, ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. And Jesus is so practical. He didn't call in the video team. He didn't call in all the unbelievers. Get all about here. All right, so here he is. Who's your daddy now? Who's your daddy now? He actually did just the opposite. He said, get her something to eat. And then he says this, don't tell anybody about what happened. Well, they've already called the funeral home. What do we tell Matthews? We won't be having a funeral. That's all you can say. I love this story. It's so powerful. The word of God is so powerful. Because right here, as you know, the Bible was written not in chapter and verse. That was later added for us to readily access it in the stories, in the verses. So, and actually here in chapter 5, we pick up the story. But right before that, or right after that, So Jesus goes to Gennesaret and he gets rejected there. And then he goes and he performs these two miracles. And then the next chapter, chapter 6, he goes to his hometown, Nazareth. And guess what happens there? He gets rejected there. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when people reject you? What do you do? How many of you have helped people? and they forgot you, raise your hand. How many of you have helped people and they stabbed you in the back and spoke bad about you, raise your hand? Huh? And, and do you know what we want to do in those moments? I'll never help anybody again. That's why you can't help people. Because no matter what, what you do to help people, they end up stabbing you in the back. So I'm not going, I'm done. But had Jesus done that, we would not be speaking today, sharing stories that people have been preaching and gaining faith out of for 2,000 years. And then he goes to Nazareth and they reject him again. Look at me, church. The enemy always wants to wound you where God wants to use you. He wants to wound you. He wants to wound you. Some of you came with church hurt because you served somewhere else and you sacrificed and and in the end, you got treated wrong and so you come walking in and you're like, okay, I'm going to come here and I'm going to attend church but I'm not going to get close and I'm not going to start serving because I did that one time and, and I thought God was using me and then I got hurt. Let me help you. Look right here. All people are going to hurt you. You just have to decide who's worth suffering for. Let me prove that to you. How many of you are married? Come on, he has your last name and he's right beside you. Raise your hand. Okay. Have you ever hurt your mate? Okay. Let me give you a better one. How many of you have children? Listen, they give you stretch marks here when they come and hear and hear until they reach their destiny. Have any of you here ever been hurt by your children? Of course. Of course, we all have. All people are going to hurt you. You just have to decide who's worth suffering for and hurting for. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, whenever you go into a city, And I'm going to give you power to heal the sick and cast out demons. If they reject you, I want you to walk outside the city and I want you to take off your sandals and shake them off so that the dust of that city goes off and it will be held against them in the day of judgment. That's what he said. Do you know what man was made out of? And do you know why we have to shake it off? Because if we don't, it sticks to us and begins to taint every relationship that we walk into. It taints every relationship we walk into. Today, I'm here and I'm wearing my good glasses. My wife likes these glasses. I don't particularly care for them. But she likes them, so I wear them. Okay. I have another pair of glasses that Pastor Josh usually sees me in. They, 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 they kind of look like his glasses. And, and, and I got them at LensCrafters. And um, nothing against LensCrafters, but they lie. Um, <laughs> and, and I bought these scratch-proof. I paid extra money to get plastic scratch-proof resistance glasses. They are so scratched up, it looks like it's foggy. I walk outside and go, look like they go hunting. It's foggy. My wife goes, it's not foggy at all. What are you talking about scratches in your glasses? <laughs> the enemy's plan is to take you and to scratch you and pain you so that the rest of your life, all of life is filtered through your pain. You hear people say it all the time. Hey, are you dating men? All men want is one thing and it's the wrong thing. Well, what, are you, what are you talking about? That's all. let me tell you, that's how all men are. Why do you want to blame everybody that you've yet to meet for what somebody else who you met in the past did to you? You've got to shake it off. You've got to shake it off. It'll give you anxiety, fear, Depression put a spirit of fear on you insecurity you got to shake it off because if you don't you will carry that into every relationship that you go into i am so glad that jesus did not allow the rejection of the other people around him to keep him from who he could be to you and to me or we wouldn't be saved today what do we do while we're waiting what we do and we're waiting for our issue to be resolved. I believe the woman with the issue of blood gives us four real clear steps that I want to share with you before I close in the last 10 minutes. Number one, the Bible says she pushed through the crowd. Say that with me, Pushed through. Push through. Now, I don't know how strong Jairus was, I know that he's influential, so he probably had people that went in front of him and cleared out the path for him to get to Jesus. But I know for a fact that if this woman had been hemorrhaging for 12 years straight, she wasn't very physically strong. Maybe 80 pounds. But you know what? Even though she didn't have the hookup like Jairus did, even though she didn't have people go before her, even though she didn't have relational connection, She was desperate enough to press through. Look look at me. The Bible says, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Ask and it will be given. And the context of that is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. All of my children but one are walking in their full destiny. Four children, all are in ministry. But look at me. That's the promise God gave us when they were born, and we dedicated them. And it only took 39 years for it to happen. Can I tell you what one black preacher said? He's slow, but he show. Sometimes, we have to persevere. As a matter of fact, the scripture says it like this in Hebrews 10:36. You need perseverance so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise God has for you. You got to persevere. Look at me. Don't give up. God is faithful. I don't know what your husband or daughter or child or whatever situation is, but if you will hold fast to the promises of God, He is faithful. Press through, press through, press through. You have need of endurance, perseverance. When I came to Christ, the man that led me to Christ is like my daddy. He raised me for the next 10 years like his own son, but he always pastored like Pastor Josh was with Pastor Bubba. He was with his father-in-law who was 25, 30 years older. And I called him Paw Weathers, and he started... Assembly of God churches, horse and buggy in central Texas. If it rained, the farmers couldn't come in, and they had church in a tent. And he would tell me story after story of big sleep on apple crates and tent meetings and miracles and angelic visitations. and, And one of the things he always told me from the time I was 14 and a half, 15 years old when I started preaching when I was 14 and a half, he looked at me and he said, Jacob, persistence is greater than genius. And then he looked at me and said, and son, you're no genius. (laughs) The one goal of the enemy is to get you to turn loose of the presence of God and the promise of God. And if you hold on, let me tell you what I tell my wife. We've been married uh, January 15th. It'll be 41 years. Here it is. Look at me. Number one, united, we're undefeated. And number two, if we don't quit, we win hold on to the promises of God and hold on, push through. Here's the second thing. It said, she kept saying to her what? Herself. Faith not only talks to God, faith talks to itself. All these people that were touching Jesus, but when she touched him, Jesus stopped. Why? Why? Because of what she kept saying to herself. Do you know nobody talks to you more than you? No one talks to you more than you. So what you say to yourself, your self-talk matters. And you know what hers said? If I could just touch Jesus. If I could just touch Jesus. I know it's a crowd. I know I'm weak. But if I can touch Jesus. If I could just touch his clothes. If I could touch his prayer shawl, which is actually what she touched. If I could just touch that. Listen carefully to me. What do you say to yourself while you're waiting? What do you say to yourself? Dr. Darius Daniels, one of my favorite preachers, says it like this. It's not what happens to you. It's the story you tell yourself. There's some of you your parents got divorced when you, maybe you were nine or ten years old, and you've been mad. You know, my daddy left. I didn't have a daddy, and I see other people. Their dad showed up at everything, and my daddy moved, and he left away, and I got robbed all my life of a dad. And I don't know other people with stories. Molested by their father, abandoned by their mother, came to Jesus, love God, love His family, sweet. Kind of grace of God flows out of them, and you would never know they had that experience. Well, what's the difference? It's the story you tell yourself. It's the story you tell yourself. It's the story you tell yourself. No, I didn't have a father that I could rely on. But when your father and mother forsake you, I, the Lord, will take you up, David. No, I didn't have a family that I wanted to be associated with or really the way I lived before didn't want to be associated with me. But when I came into the church, Jesus saved my soul, but the church of Jesus saved my life. I got spiritual family. I have people that that, that, that I'm not related to at all that we are closer than flesh and blood. It's not what happens to you. It's the story you tell yourself. Faith talks to itself. Sometimes you need to grab yourself by the shirt and say, self, listen to me. God is faithful. God always answers. God never changes everything else well. Here's the third thing that she did. She grabbed his prayer shawl. Now, in Israel, where I was, everyone—I mean, on, on Shabbat, which starts Friday night at sundown, their, their Sabbath is Friday night sundown till uh, Saturday sundown. For Jews, the, 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 the day doesn't begin at midnight; it begins at sundown. So, why did Jesus? How did Jesus hang on the cross three days? He actually—it was two days plus a sundown, which would have been the next day, like us 12:30. Is, is, is the next day, or 1201 is the next day, and so when you go there on the Sabbath, you see all of these people, when I went to the Wailing Wall, there's all these people, and they're wearing this long shawl, and it's a prayer shawl, and you know when they're wearing that, they're going to pray. When I was at the Wailing Wall, we're at the Wailing Wall, and they're there crying out, ah, ah, like this, for the Messiah to come because they don't know that Jesus is already come. Prayer always connects me with God. It doesn't have to be long prayer. How, how many of you know how to pray in our Father? How many remember back in the days when, okay, you did that, go 12, 200 our fathers, three Hail Marys, and a thank you Jesus on the way out? How many of remember that? Raise your hand. Okay, so how many of you know what an Our Father is? Okay, that's a prayer Jesus modeled for the disciples. Is actually, they call it the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. He didn't, Jesus didn't pray that to his Father. Jesus didn't go, my Father, he didn't do that. So watch this. When you are really praying and desperately need God, do you really have time to pray in Our Father? Just a few days ago, my son who's pastoring outside of Houston was driving right past here, went all the way to to, to Tomball day after Thanksgiving, and a half a mile from their home a drunk lady pulled out in front of them and they hit her going 50 miles an hour. She died on impact. My three grandchildren were in the back. An hour before, Alex woke them up and said, Wake up and strap in. The traffic is terrible even the closer we get to home. When they hit the car, all the airbags went off. The kids are screaming. Traffic is going every direction. So the first thing Christian did is he yelled, don't get out of the car, don't get out of the car because he didn't want him to get run over. I said, son, what did you do when you saw the car coming? Do you think he had a time to pray in our Father? No. You, you know what he prayed? He prayed Peter's prayer. Remember when Peter was walking on the water? And he started to sink. You know what he said? Jesus, help! And I said, what did you do? He said, I just yelled out, Jesus! Immediately, talk about the goodness of God, a sheriff was off off duty, had just come back, in his wife, from seeing chosen. And as soon as the wreck happened, they saw it, pulled up behind him so that no cars would run into them. They had a ministry to the homeless, so they had blankets. So when my grandchildren got out in the pouring rain, they had blankets and stayed with them for the next five hours. Listen to me. Prayer always connects you with God. It isn't the amount of words, it's the desperation. Jesus! Jesus! And instantly he heals. Here's the last thing She not only touched his prayer shawl, but at the bottom of a prayer shawl was a blue tassel that hung off this far. I want to tell you where that came from. It's in Numbers chapter 15. Listen to what it says. Speak to the children of Israel and tear them to make what? Tassels on the corner of their garments throughout all generations and put a blue thread in the tassel corners that you may, that you shall have the tassels that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them. Do you know what this is right here? This is my reminder. You know, in South Louisiana, people think the Bible's a luck charm. Like, like, you know, if you want to sell your house, you bury St. Joseph, or you put a statue up in front of your house, and if you want to be holy, you keep a Bible on each side of your bed. Listen carefully to me. It isn't the Bible by your bed that will change your life. It's the living word inside your heart. It will change your life. But this is my reminder. This is my reminder. I still need to be in relationship with God. I still need to be in prayer. I still need to be talking to God. This is my reminder. I'm going to ask you a question. And I, I don't want anybody to get in trouble. You just say that at the beginning. I don't want anybody to get in trouble. I said I don't want anybody to get in trouble. How many of you are married How many of you right now know where your marriage license is? Okay. Let me just say this. I don't have a clue where my marriage license is. Okay. Secondly, how many of you have looked at your marriage license lately? Okay. Two people. Were y'all looking for fine print? Was there anything in there? I don't see for better or for worse on here. Hey, hey, here's the third one. Hey, here's the third question. Here's the third question. When's the last time you kissed your marriage license? Anybody ever kissed your marriage license? Look at me. I don't know where my marriage license is. It's a reminder. But look at me. I do kiss the princess who I married from that license every day. And do you know, actually, the the word worship and prayer are intermerged together. and It actually means to kiss or to see face to face. To kiss and to see face to face. What do I do, Pastor, while I'm waiting for my issue to be resolved, for God to answer me? I push through. I talk to myself faith talks to me. I talk to myself and remind myself. I gather in the presence of God by touching him in prayer and hold on to these promises because heaven and earth will pass away but the presence of God and the promises of God will never pass away. For years for my children to be where they are I simply stood on the word. Where are your children? Well the word of God says They're saved, sanctified, delivered, preaching the gospel, full of God's purpose. Yeah, but where are they? I'm going to just tell you what the promise of God says. Today, there's one little pinky toe on there left for one of them. Because the rest of them, I don't need a promise. I see the promise right before my very eyes. Hold on to the promise of God. Hold on. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I really do need God to intervene in this situation in my life that I'm concerned about. Would you lift your hand? Just lift it high. Okay, lift it high. Come on, if Jesus came and said, Can I do something for you? You know exactly what would pop out. Father, today, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, you who see every heart as well as every hand, We ask you to supernaturally come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. What's your peace? What's your peace? Before she ever saw a doctor, you said, go in peace. I pray for the peace of the promise of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to come and to seal every hand that's lifted even now. that you can put your hands down. Last two minutes. Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a man or woman is born again, they won't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless you're born again, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, what does that mean? I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. That's a great start, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. Everyone born since Adam and Eve has been born spiritually dead. Everyone. Mother Teresa was born spiritually dead. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. And you and I were born spiritually dead. And until we become spiritually alive, we don't have the capacity of knowing God because the Bible tells us God is a spirit. And if he's spirit and I'm spiritually dead, there's no way for me to connect with him. Have you been born again? Would you bow your head with me real quickly? You say, Pastor, how how can I be born again? I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. How can I do that? A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer, and he died for your sin so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. Someone will die for your sin. Either he did or you will. C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. As you turn away from sin through repentance to be born again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again. I want to know God. I want to turn completely to him. I've never been born again. Would you pray for me today, Pastor? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you right at your seat. Would you pray for me today? I've never prayed that prayer to be born again. Then I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand real high. One, God brought you here. Two, nothing is ever an accident, nothing. Even the things that happened in your life the last few weeks leading up to this moment. Not an accident, you're in this service. And now, three, if that's you, lift your hand high. Pastor, I want to be born again. One, two, three, four, five, six, anywhere else. Seven, anywhere else. Okay, eight. Okay, you can put your hands down. Last 10 seconds, Pastor. I didn't raise my hand with these eight, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I know this is why I'm here. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. Raise it and wave it at me. I'm asking this last time for you. Join those eight. Nine. Yes, I see that hand. Ten. Yes, I see that hand. Okay, 11. I see that hand. Twelve. I see that hand. Thirteen. 14. Yes, I see your hand. Now, church, let's pray out loud with all of those that raise their hand to be born again today. Let's pray out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name, amen.